The Bear Essentials Podcast gives older bears a place to gather for real talk regarding topics and issues that they can relate to. Here at The Bear Essentials, we aren't just having conversations. We are looking to provide actionable intelligence through real-life experience and expertise of our guests. Our mission is to build a strong community that elevates and motivates people to go beyond their limiting beliefs by helping them realize that getting older is not an excuse to hibernate on their goals, but a reason to work harder. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I am your host, Charles Wallace. Today's guest is a speaker and an adventurer who is guiding teams through the world's wildest places. So without further ado, let's jump into my interview with the founder of Wild Edge, Ali Franz. Hey, Ali, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. Charles, it's great to be with you. Thank you very much for the invitation. Oh, it's my pleasure, Ali. I'm really, really honored, actually, to have uh, someone like you on the show. I think um, all that you've done, all that you're doing, I think it'll really help and speak well to the to the audience about, you know, mental toughness, resiliency, things like that. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, for my audience, could you introduce yourself? Absolutely. So I'm Oli France. I am a professional expedition leader specializing in guiding teams through some of the world's most hostile, wild destinations from Iraq to Syria, uh, Somalia to the Congo, uh, Yemen to Siberia, right across the world and have the luxury of working with many people from all walks of life and many different nationalities uh, and also embarking on my own personal adventures and expeditions uh, really in some of the world's most remote and, and difficult landscapes. Yeah, Ali, I've seen some of your adventures and the things that you're doing, and it, it's quite amazing to me, and it, it piqued my interest um, right away. So really interested in talking about some of that. Before we jump into that, though, I, I, you know, I think the best place to start is you say about some of the toughest, most remote places in the world, you know, mm. I wanted to ask when we first started, when I, you know, was going to do this, I wanted to first ask, you know, were you adventurous as a kid? But then I wanted to ask it a little deeper, not only adventurous as a kid, like, I think it's even deeper, right? To be not just adventurous, but want to be adventurous in a way where you're going to some of these places. Has that always kind of been something that's been burning inside you? To a certain degree, yes. And have I have I always been adventurous? I always was without particularly realizing it. And I was always playing, running around, you know, out in the fields and the forests and having a good time with my friends. And then when it when it came to travel, really, you know, I grew up with this world map on my wall right next to my bed. And I used to study that thing and study all the countries and learn the capitals and learn the geography and learn the mountains. And and as I got older. And yeah, you know, I grew up in this this fairly small town in the north of England. It's um, not particularly diverse. Nothing much of any interest really happens here. And I just always had this sense that there was a lot more out there in the world. And as I got older and doors started to open, um, that was my big driving force, was to actually get out there, to go and see these places that I've been dreaming about, to go and sort of unleash this, adventurous spirit that I'd kind of nurtured throughout my childhood without even realizing it really. Um, so it, the the catalyst was definitely there. Uh, uh, ch as a child, did I think I would work 
as a professional expedition leader or venturer, I probably didn't even know that was a, a possible career path. Um, still dubious if it's a career path right now, but I'm, I'm making it work and I'm loving it. Um, but uh, the seeds were sown at a young age for sure. And I was very, very sort of passionate to follow those those steps really and, and get out into the big wide world as soon as I could. So Ollie, what, what's the first one? Like what, you know, I get it as a child, the world map, mm. that's fantastic. What's the, what's the first one that you embark on? So the the very first one, actually. So, I mean, I'd, I'd done a bit of travel with family and that sort of thing, but in terms of going off on my own and, and really starting to push it, I, I was 19 and I was studying outdoor leadership at university. It is actually a, a real degree. People raise their eyebrows, but it's a it's a university degree. It's an amazing, uh, it was an amazing three years learning from some of the best uh, outdoor instructors in the UK about mountaineering, rock climbing. And we had this amazing scheme at university where they would give you a bursary if you applied for it, if you went through the steps, the interviews, uh, a bursary, a travel bursary. So they give you a pot of money to... Uh, to fund a travel experience overseas if that was linked to your course and so heard about this thing applied for it and I wanted to go and do two weeks in in Morocco um, in in the Atlas Mountains there this was 2010 and back then many of these mountain communities they had no electricity very very basic existences and I organized a two-week trek out there I was I was trekking alongside locals um, living in local shelters I'd learned a little bit of Arabic, so I was practicing some language skills, climbing some some big 4,000-meter mountains in, in the snow and ice, and just immersing myself. And this was way back before you, you could take telephones and things overseas with you or, you know, access the internet. So I was completely cut off for two weeks in another world and another place where the villagers, you know, they may see a handful of tourists trekking through across the year. And it was just this magical experience where I realized that, even in that that one instance, that you don't need to speak the same language, you don't need to be able to communicate verbally to uh, get on with people, to sort of almost share stories sometimes, to have a great time. And um, actually, by going through an expedition experience or an adventurous experience where you're really pushing yourself, you, you've got a team goal, I found that that is just the most amazing way of building a resilient team and as I said, even though I didn't speak the same language, I, I made friendships on that on that very first trip, which which still lasts to this day. And so that from there, really, the seed was sown, and 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 that was the very first stepping stone to to many many more adventures over the last years. Yeah. So Ali, along with all these adventures, and I want to get into a few specifically. I I see some of the things you're doing. It is a lot about leadership resiliency mindset things like that was that growing up also was that always part did you always envision yourself as a as a leader um did you always envision yourself as somebody with a lot of mental toughness or was it something that along with your expeditions and your adventures is it something that start to kind of grow with inside you and, and you start to strengthen it that's a good question and so to first answer it from my point of view and my sort of childhood experience, again, I grew up this grew up in this town. It's a fairly it's a fairly kind of tough town. It's it's a you know people people play rugby league. It's sort of a working class town. It pays to have thick skin, I suppose, to to get by. And so already from a young age, 
you know, you start to come up with these coping mechanisms to kind of get through difficult situations or scenarios, whether that's interactions with other people or or other hardships. And in, in terms of the leadership, I, you know, I was, I was lead, I was the captain on the full school football team. I always seemed to be the one who had these had these ideas, and then other people would would kind of follow along. And um, you know, I, I was always the the instigator of, of various schemes and and uh, little misadventures. So I think the seed was stolen from from a young age. I I enjoyed. I suppose acting on a whim and and being outdoors. You know, I was that kid in the classroom staring out the window all day, just itching to get outside because uh, being in those four walls was just very dull to me a, a lot of the time. So certainly the seed was so was sown. Um, now, does that mean that I was or or resilience uh, was natural to me, or it can't be it can't be built? Um, yeah, maybe maybe I was naturally inclined to be resilient, but I, I do think generally that there is absolutely um, we all have within us the ability to build resilience and to become more resilient. And a big part of that is is actually putting ourselves out there into those difficult situations. We're, we're never going to build resilience sitting at home watching television on a comfortable sofa in an air conditioned apartment. You know, it's not going to happen. Um Resilience is is a muscle which can be built, it can be grown, uh, but in order to build and stretch that muscle, just like going to the gym, you need to work it, you need to put it under different pressures, um, you need to um, test it in different ways, only then can it be built, uh, but it can be built, and, and really the way you do that is just by keep on going, keep on exposing yourself to new situations, um, have kind of this growth mindset where you you are exposing yourself to to new scenarios you don't you don't know if you're going to succeed there's a high chance you're going to fail um, you don't know what the outcomes are there's lots of uncertainty but you know what it's those situations where we can grow where we can build resilience and actually even if we do fail and we don't make our objectives whatever they might be they can be some of the most powerful learning experiences um so anybody has the capacity to build resilience um the motivation for that really needs to come from within we need to say to ourselves okay i want to push myself i want to try something new um you know we we, we seek lots of outside sources of inspiration but ultimately one day we've got to make that decision to get up and get out there and and get on with our our goals yeah that's that's fantastic advice and i i i love hearing next i think i think we all go through stages of that and i don't think we're ever done building that muscle, as you say, Ali. Um, so I wanted to ask you that to lead into this, because um, I think when people, when I have people on and someone like yourself, you know, adventure, all the adventures you do, the expeditions, it, it comes from a, you know, people may look and see like, wow, that guy, everything always goes perfectly fine for that, for that mm. man. Right. I wanted to kind of give you an opportunity to talk about with the resiliency, the mindset. Could you talk a little bit about maybe where it didn't go so well and you had to kind of look deep inside yourself mm. and and even even questioned yourself during it? Was there a point during any expeditions where something like that happened? Well, I could think of about 100 answers to that question because there have been so many times when things have not gone to plan, when unexpected things have arisen, 
when even I've feared for my life and questioned my life choices and wanted to go back home and wanted to quit. All of these things have happened multiple times on many expeditions all around the world. So um, do things always go to plan? Absolutely not. Um, we make a plan, we assess the risk, we try our very best, uh, but ultimately, yeah, we, we cannot make guarantees that things will go perfectly every single time. Um, so to come up with a, with a specific example, um, I was I was in I was in Indonesia and and actually this wasn't an expedition. Um, I was um, I was out there on a holiday. I'd just finished an expedition. I'd met with my wife and we were relaxing on a on a sort of beachfront little little hotel. Had a great day out scuba diving on some reefs, and now we we're relaxing with some friends we just met. And the strangest thing happened where I heard this noise. I don't even know what it was. It was barely perceptible, but something made me stand up in the middle of this restaurant, just this instinct. And about a second later, um, this earthquake began, uh, a really serious earthquake, 6.9 magnitude earthquake. Suddenly, the hotel is shaking back and forth. Um, and we we ran outside. Everything's falling over. Cupboards are falling off the doors, uh, off, off the walls. Glasses are being smashed. Um, the hotel itself is rocking back and forth, the swimming pool, the water's sloshing, sloshing out, people are screaming. And and that that was such an unexpected situation. And actually, it was one of those moments where all of my years of, of going through through many, many hardships from being detained in, in Uzbekistan, and perhaps that's another story I can share shortly, to being held at gunpoint, to being almost killed by an avalanche in Kazakhstan, all of these things fed into my reaction in that moment when all the people around me were losing control, were screaming, were panicking. Nobody was taking control of the situation. And I think I just clicked into expedition leader mode. I realized, okay, this thing's happened. Now we, we've no access to the outside world. All, all the internet, all the phone lines are down. We've no idea what's going to happen if there's a tsunami risk. We're stood two meters from the beach. Um, and so we had to make a quick decision, but nobody was taking control. And and that was a, a, a moment where suddenly in, in a completely relaxed state, this unexpected, unbelievable thing happened. But somebody needed to take control of that situation. And everything I'd done in the years building up to that um, gave me the confidence to step forward and say to everyone, OK, this is what we need to do. And it was get ourselves up the hillside, uh, grab, grab, quickly grab some food and water, some some um, some warm clothes, head up the hillside, wait out there until we can get some firm news. There's not a tsunami risk, and begin to make a plan from there. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't know if this this really answers your 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 question, but unexpected things can happen. They they will happen when we're really pushing the boundaries of what's possible, or even in everyday life. As I say, we're, we're going to face these challenges that are completely unexpected. We can't always control the things that happen to us. I could never have controlled this earthquake that struck in Indonesia. But what could I control? I could control my reaction to that situation. And that's something critically important that we need to remember at all times. We have the power to control our reaction to that situation and have a big impact on, on the overall outcome. Um, so that's a message which I which I would spread to anybody. 
Wow, that is scary. I'm glad everything worked out for you, your wife, and and those people. That that's wow. I can't even imagine. As you were telling that, I was trying to think how would I re- I as I hear some of the stories when I do these interviews, I try to put myself sometimes in there, and I I always wonder how would I react. You know, I'm glad. I haven't had to react to that situation, but it's, I mean, good on you for reacting that way. Um, so Ali, that I wanted to ask that I was going to ask a question. Now I'm going to ask it a little differently. I, I think that speaks to your leadership reacting and having others almost as your responsibility. Mm. I wanted to ask now maybe about, for me at least, sometimes I think it's a little easier when I don't have to think as much about myself. And I'm more worried about other people in a situation that you mentioned where maybe you said you're, you were held at gunpoint thing, something like that, right? When it's more you and it's just, you're, you're, your main concern. Does that become a little bit harder than just, it's just you and not having all the other people, the other responsibility. It is a very different dynamic mentally. Cause as you say, when, when, when I'm leading a group of people, at any moment in time, I could have, you know, 20, different, 20, 50 different thoughts going through my head is, is that this person's got a slight, slight injury. I need to make sure they're okay. This person's looking a bit dehydrated. Uh, this person says that they're, they're a little bit tired or they didn't have a great night's sleep. Is that going to affect their performance? So there's many, many things. And I know there's a big day coming up. There's many things that, that I'm thinking about at any one time. So you're right. You, you don't so much think about your, yourself quite as much. Um, but of course, when when I'm doing solo expeditions and, and solo challenges, it, it is very, very different where you need to be completely immersed in the here and now, in, in the situation that you are in. And and your your decision making, I think, is is a little different. It can be it can be very, very direct. You don't need to think about other people's other people's thought processes Um other people's situation, individual situations, motivations, that sort of thing. It is what can I do right now to get myself through this problem or, or maximize my chances of succeeding. Um, and, and there's lots of different strategies for that. So when, when we're going through hard, hard situations on, on our own, and there's been many times where I've been on big solo expeditions in very, very remote places, miles from anybody with no contact with the outside world, you know, you're, you're stuck alone with the thoughts in your head and so basic things like positive self-talk can be the things that that keep you going it's it's you know you you, you've not you're not stood in a stadium with fifty thousand people cheering you on you're stood there in a remote place entirely on your own with your own mental battles it's the same if you're walking through the gym on your own in, in, in the morning or going out for for a local run you're not um you're not really facing the problem of of the weights themselves or, or the distance you're running. You're facing the battle in your own mind. It's no different. And so what can we do to in- influence that? We can talk to ourselves positively. We can break down the challenge into smaller steps. When we're confronted with, with challenges, we can almost take a step back and, and distance ourselves from, from, from that situation. And, and here, perhaps I'm talking about, about fear. So in, in a situation where I was held at gunpoint in Iraq, that was so sudden, again, like the earthquake, so unexpected. I was walking along the street um, in, a, in a sort of dark, a dark street with, with 
uh, my local guide and a guy turned around, pulled a gun on us in a flash. You know, could never have anticipated that was about to happen. Uh, and you have this, first of all, we, we froze, you know, it was so unexpected. We froze. He was a few meters away from us, too far away to approach him. There was nowhere we could sort of run to hide. And so we were just left staring at this guy who was a few meters away and thinking um, we were about to get shot, essentially, uh, and waiting for the for the bullet to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a situation where there is this, I suppose, fear fear response. Your body creates this this fear response. Um, and to touch on to touch on fear, well, you know what what is fear? That is not part of part of us. It's it's um, it's a signal to our brains that something that something is is about to happen. Something imminent, perhaps in, imminent danger, is upon us. Uh, does that mean that we need to get flustered? That we need to lose control? Absolutely not. Um, and that is again something which comes with practice. The more we expose ourselves to these these hard situations, these un- uncertain situations, the more we can sort of learn to slightly detach ourselves from this fear. And we look at it and think, okay, this is happening right now. Uh, it's a negative thing. Danger is imminent. What's going to be my best way to respond? Am I best, you know, screaming and panicking? Probably not. You know, that's not going to help this situation. I'll, I'll listen to this signal that's happening. I'll listen to this situation. I'll think about the environment. But then I'll kind of detach myself from that and think, okay, what is the best response? And in our situation, it was, um, it was, you know, looking at this guy in the eyes and sort of question, questioning in our own minds because there was a language barrier there, couldn't couldn't speak to him. Um, was questioning it in our minds. What what is it he wants? What's his motivation here? And you know, as we looked at him and we thought about his demeanor, we thought about his character. He was swaying on his heels slightly. We realize, you know what, he's probably drunk or he's probably crazy or something like that. And I don't think he really knows what he's doing. And we somehow made this kind of human connection, even just with our eyes. And then he gave us a weird smile, put the gun back in his trousers and carried on walking. And, you know, if we'd have reacted in in some sort of crazy way, if we'd have thrown our hands in the air, if we charged towards him, maybe things would have ended differently. Um you know, maybe we got lucky too. But hey, what's important to remember is that we have control over our response to these fearful and certain situations. We just need to sometimes detach ourselves slightly from it. Think about what is the best course of action? What am I best to do right now? And, and then and then act in that way. Wow. That's, again, scary. And it's, would you say that situations like that and what you just talked about has it has it been your expeditions and the things you've done in your life that have you know kind of helped you be able to react that way do you do you think if you haven't you know haven't done what you've done and 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 you know who you are and the things you do do you think Mm. that maybe your reaction would have been different yes i do i do really because I think what it comes down to is is this sense of control, and in the modern world we have control. You know, if we, if we're living fairly ordinary lives, we we have control over pretty much everything. We can regulate the temperature in our houses. We can choose a nice, comfortable seat to sit at, at our desk. 
Uh, we could choose exactly what we want to do with our time, within reason. Uh, we could choose when we want to go to bed. We have control over what we eat, what we drink, when we eat, when we drink. Um, and I think the one thing that you learn when you start doing expeditions is that actually there are many, many things once we step out there into the big biode world that we can't control. And again, this is this is touching on that point of our, our response to, to negative situations. And I think the other thing that 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 I've learned really is that nothing is 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 certain until it it's done until it's history. We 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 get very, I suppose, excited or or stressed. It could be either a response about things things that lie in the future. Think about how much time we spend feeling stressed about things that have never happened and probably never will happen. It's, it's a waste of our own energy. Um, and, and, and likewise, you know, we, we may feel excited about things and, and that and that that can be great. That can be a motivator. Um, but ultimately, there are going to be unexpected things which come along, uh, which we cannot control. And uh, yeah, this this probably goes back to the same point, really. But I do think that go by actually getting out there, by putting ourselves in uncertain situations, whether that's signing up to a race, going to a new class that you've never done before, trying to learn a new skill, admitting to yourself that, okay, you don't you don't know it all. There's still lots to learn in, in the big wide world. And again, it's this growth mindset of, of I, I can learn from others. I don't know it all. I don't have all the skills. Um, because as soon as we think that, that's when we stop learning and that's when we stop growing. And, you know, I, I still hire people or speak to people who are far more experienced than me in many different departments. And and that is one of the most valuable things I can do as a leader and as a human to try and grow and, and improve. Um, the moment we sit back and relax and think we know it all, that's the moment we stop growing. And we need to remind ourselves of that sometimes. Man, Ollie, that's that's perfect segue. I wanted to you know, considering your events, your expeditions, what I wanted to ask is for you, as you continue your own journey and your own self growth, mm. are you, is it something as far as an expedition, something, you know, a challenge like that, or do you find yourself that maybe it's more internal, that self growth? Is it, you think that's a bigger challenge moving forward and and for you is it an outside challenge or are you looking to grow more internally is that more of the goal that's that's a really good question and i think as i've sort of grown older and done this for a longer period of time and had more experiences um you know i think when you're starting in your career it's all about kind of whatever it is you do, it's all about building your, your list of achievements or, or building your CV, building your resume, um, you know, padding that out. And I understand that when you're young, you want, you want to prove yourself. Um, but I think now having done this for some time, I, you've got to ask yourself, what are your motivations? You know, what is motivating you to do what you do? And, and for me, I'm, I'm motivated because I'm very passionate about adventure. I'm very passionate about meeting people. I'm passionate about challenging myself. And then you can align your goals with your passions, because if, if your goals are aligned with your passions, getting through those difficult moments is always going to be so much easier. I mean, imagine if you're working in a job you can, you completely hate and you come across some hardship, are you going to 
you know, give every ounce of energy to get through that hardship? Probably not, because you're not that passionate about what it is you're doing. Um, whereas if you're if you're passionate about it, if, if you've got this internal fire driving you um, and these these stumbling blocks coming your way, then it, it's a whole different type of energy. So for me now, looking at looking at what, what interests me, I want to certainly continue to grow, continue to build my own skills, continue to test myself as well. And, you know, I, I've as I've said, I've specialized in leading people through many countries all over the world and all kinds of treks and expeditions. And I absolutely love that. I love love interacting with people and seeing them push their own boundaries. I do also enjoy the personal challenge of the solo expeditions where I can really take myself to to another level or take myself into the unknown. Because if I'm leading a group, I need to feel very, very confident and comfortable in, in the scenario. If I'm on my own, then I can push things a little further. Um, so I, I enjoy the challenge of both. I enjoy passing on you know, what I've learned to, to groups. Uh, but certainly it's about, for me, aligning it with as closely as possible with my passions. And so when new opportunities come up, when new doors are opened, I ask myself very, very carefully before I commit to it, um, is this something that aligns with my passions? Is it something that aligns with what I want to do? If it doesn't, I really ask myself some hard questions. Even if, even if there's financial gain, even if there's other positive benefits to it, I ask myself some very hard questions before I commit to it. Um, because, you know, time is limited. Our, our, our lifetime on planet Earth is very limited. So what we do with that time we need to consider it extremely carefully and we're not happy with it, then, you know, maybe it's time to change. Yeah, that's great, great advice and something that I think we we all need to evaluate constantly and consistently is what are we spending our time on? So so thanks for thanks for that, Ali. I think that will resonate with a lot of people. Um, I want to kind of end with this. As far as you touched on it a little bit about pushing yourself as far as your solo expeditions, anything in the works or anything that, you know, any plans to really do something that you is going to push you anything lined up. Mm. So uh, there, there's a few projects actually that I'm working on right now, um, which I, I really want to use to take things to the next level. Um, right now, I've not sort of made this public, so I'm a bit reluctant to to uh, to make it public just yet. Because what I, what I like to do, I like to be absolutely certain um, before I before I sort of spread the word too much uh, that I'm going to go ahead with this project and challenge. Um, but what it is, you know, just to give you a slight teaser, it will be a, a multi-year, uh, uh, multi-continent expedition. Uh, which would be quite groundbreaking and, and really would challenge my endurance, would challenge my logistical skills. Um, I would would take me through many, many different landscapes and terrains. And so it's a big project. I've been working on it for many years and hope to kickstart it later this year. So, um, yeah, I've not launched it formally just yet. But if you're interested, then please watch this space and I'm sure you'll hear about it. So again, perfect segue. How can people keep uh, keep up with you? How can they follow you? And you know, along with your your journeys, your expeditions, where where's the best place to find everything about Ali? So I'm I'm active on quite active on Instagram. So come and find me there at Ollie underscore France. 
uh, also on LinkedIn where where we made contact uh, at Oli France. And my my company is Wild Edge, so I run expeditions through my company. That's WildEdge.co. And if anybody out there would like to sign up to an expedition or come and get involved, then please do come and reach out. Um, always great to connect to other adventurous people out there. Well, Ali, this has been a, a real treat for me. Um, every everything that you're doing, uh, I, I will say this somewhat, you know. Definitely not getting to do things at the level you're doing, but definitely living somewhat vicariously through what you're doing. But I think, you know, the biggest reason I wanted to have you on, and I think you you did an amazing job with this, was really taking all of that, what you do in your life, and, and kind of putting this message out there to people of the resiliency, the positivity. And you you, you really... And it's a big compliment to you. You put a lot of really, really good messages out there for people that I think will help a lot of people. So so thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Charles. I really appreciate that. And I'm very grateful for you inviting me on the show and, and giving me a platform to, to share the messages too. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to getting this out there for people to to watch and listen. Uh, for for those who have, have already watched us here, Thank you very much. Uh, as always, I appreciate the support. And Ollie, thank you and good luck with everything you're about to embark on. I'm looking forward to following along now that we've connected. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks again, Charles. Really enjoyed this the This has been The Bare Essentials. Thanks for listening. And remember, never hibernate on your goals.